Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 25, as the whole psalm, verses 1 through 22, which can be found on page 861 in your pew Bibles. And this is a psalm of David trusting, um, trusting in God. You can hear as we read um, how that how that trust in God is different from what he might be tempted to do, and yet also why that trust is so important. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we ask that you'd help us not to take your word for granted, help us not to take it lightly, but help us to receive it be instructed by to learn from it, or that we would come to know you better, that we would come to love and trust you more, that you would continue by your word and by your spirit to form us and shape us in the people that you created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 25 of David In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark, chapter 13, verses 5 through 13. Which can be found on page 1580 in um, your pew Bibles. This is a time shortly before Jesus goes to the cross where he's talking to the disciples about what will happen. He says, starting in verse 5, Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. 
Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we are going to continue in our series through the book of Philippians this summer. And as I mentioned last week when we kicked off this series, I am super excited about this particular series. And um, the book of Philippians is just one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. I don't know if you're allowed to have favorites, but if you are, I do. And this is one of them. Philippians is one of those books that gets quoted um, a lot. I find myself quoting this book in the sermons I preached through all the rest of the books of the Bible, but we've never preached through the book of Philippians. So I'm excited about it for that reason, but I'm not just excited about it because uh, it's highly quotable or because I haven't preached through it yet. I'm excited because of the message that is in this particular book. This is a book that gets quoted a lot because of how relevant and applicable it is to everyday life. The, I think one of the key words in all of Philippians is the word whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and not like in a whatever, I don't care, but in a whatever happens, whatever the circumstances, whatever is going on in your life, this book applies. Absolutely applies. And today is one of the uh, reasons we really get to see why I love this book so much. Uh, but in order to understand that, we have to get a little bit of the context of what this book is. This is a book that is written by Paul, who is currently uh, in prison in Rome, and he is writing to the church in Philippi. Now, he'd already been to Philippi. He planted the church there in Philippi. That was where, if you remember the story, uh, he actually got thrown in jail there, and there was the earthquake, and he's uh, oh, set free from jail but he doesn't leave. And the Philippian jailer calls out to the jailer and says, oh, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And through him being in jail there, the, uh, the jailer himself becomes a Christian as well as the rest of his household. There's a church that begins there in Philippi, and he goes on from there. Since then, Paul has gone on lots of places. He's now in prison in Rome itself. And uh, because of that, the Philippian church hears that he's in prison there. They are concerned about him. And so they send Epaphroditus to him uh, to help take care of his needs there. And, uh, and this is the letter that Paul writes back to the church to tell them how he's doing. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. If you are the church in Philippi, and Paul, who you sent out, is in Rome, and he's in prison... He is in prison while he's still under trial and does not yet know if he is going to be released and set free and getting ready to go back to uh, preaching again 
or if he's going to be executed. He does not know. So the church in Philippi doesn't know. If you are a part of that church and you hear this about him, are you concerned? Are you concerned about him? <laughs> I hope so, <laughs> right? What we're going to see today is that Paul has a very different perspective on the situation, on his situation. And it's his perspective that comes through so clearly in this letter. That is what is so useful for us today. That is what is so relevant to us today. That is what needs to be a part of our lives today if we're going to face the whatevers (laughs) that we face. It's this perspective. And so that's what we're going to see very clearly today, although it, it carries through with the rest of the letter. And we're looking at Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. Kind of take this as it comes. Okay. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. We're going to pause right there because I've left something out that needs to come in here works with this line. Anybody familiar with Bob Ross? You're familiar with Bob Ross. I know you are. Some of you are like, that sounds familiar. Uh, PBS, painter from years past, large afro, that guy. Okay. Bob Ross uh, (laughs) has been through several stages of his career. He has uh, since died. But in his career, first he was, you know, the Saturday PBS painting guy. Uh, then he became somewhat of a, a joke, sort of a PBS joke. Everybody talked about that guy. Well, then, now he's sort of had a resurgence of popularity as uh, his shows are on Netflix and people are discovering him again. And not only that, but I did hear that there's an app that just last week or the week before, um, it, they are playing the audio of his videos in their sleep app <laughs> to help you go to sleep because he has such a calm and soothing voice. So anyway, people are rediscovering this guy. But the, thing, the point here, as it relates to Paul in prison, is uh, one of Bob Ross's sort of trademark things is he talks about how there are, uh, there are no mistakes, only happy accidents. <laughs> and so as he's painting, it's like, oh, that's not what I meant to do. He's like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just a happy accident. Now this painting is going to go a different direction than you thought. When we're looking at Paul in prison, the people in Philippi are concerned, and we're like, no, this can't be. And Paul's like, no, no, no. This is no mistake. <laughs> this is a happy accident. <laughs> uh, this is, and it's not even an accident. This is a happy discovery of how God's plan is different than our plan. And so that's where in verse 20, or verse 12, where he starts, he says, and I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, my being in prison in Rome, has uh, actually served to advance the gospel. Because what is their concern? Paul, who we sent out from here, is supposed to be going around preaching Jesus to people who don't know Jesus, but now he's in prison. He can't go see anybody. This is really going to limit, this is going to restrict, this is going to end Paul's ministry. And Paul says it does not restrict it. It is not limited. It is not end it. It actually has advanced it. Listen. He says, uh, serve to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Okay, first of all, do you hear it (laughs) as he goes? The Philippians are concerned about Paul and his state. Does Paul sound concerned? He doesn't sound concerned, does he? What do, you, what do you hear as sort of the, um, the, the theme of his, <laughs> his view on the thing, his situation? It's rejoicing, right? And because of this, I will rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. As he reflects on his situation, he's not all, poor me. <laughs> Look at what's happened. I went out trying to preach Jesus, and now, you know, they've, they've been persecuting me, they throw me in prison. I can't go talk to anybody now. <laughs> that is not his attitude at all. His attitude is one of rejoicing. What makes the difference? Where is his focus? His focus, if you'll notice, is not on what my plans were, <laughs> but what on his plans are, right? It's not what I had in mind for what I was going to do, and now roadblock. <laughs> I'm in prison. I might get executed. But in fact, his, his view, he's got a kind of a twofold vision. One is his eyes are on Jesus, totally on Jesus. And that's what he's going to encourage the Philippians later in the letter. Fix your eyes there, but also on other people. So he is focused on uh, who Jesus is and what he has done and is doing and his promise he will do. And he's also focused on other people and so how his situation might affect them. This is why he's able to rejoice. If Paul's view is, I was going to go and do this thing, and now I can't do this thing because I'm in prison, that's a recipe for depression. But that's not where his view is at all. His view is on Jesus and on other people, and that is actually a recipe for joy. It's weird, but it is. And uh, so we see this through several examples, and we've just read them all quickly, but I want to go back and help you sort of uh, sort through these and, and dig these out. First of all, he says, I'm in prison. You might be concerned because I'm in prison. I'm not concerned. Here's why. The people in the palace, these Roman uh, soldiers and authorities, they are now hearing about Jesus. They're hearing about him. If you go to the end of the letter, this is awesome. This is one of the coolest things. 
you go to the very, very end, you get those final greetings where it's like, oh, and so-and-so sends their greetings, so-and-so. And you kind of yada yada over that part when you're skimming through, <laughs> through your Bible. You're like, I don't know these people. Look at this. Verse 22, he's uh, sending the greetings back to Philippi. He says, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. How cool is that? Right? How cool is that? The people in Caesar's household would not have been greeting the people in Philippi, especially not be greeting the church in Philippi, unless what happens? Unless Paul goes to prison. And if Paul goes to prison, then Paul gets to preach to the people in Caesar's household. These, uh, this whole palace guard that then gets to hear about Jesus. And now uh, their lives are being changed, and they're actually sending greetings back to the church in Philippi. You see why Paul's able to rejoice? Like this, this being put in prison, awaiting the end result of my trial, I don't know how it's going to go. But he knows that God is still at work, that he's still doing something, and he can see some of those things happening. And that's where he's sort of uncovering this for the church in Philippi. This should come as no surprise to the church in Philippi. This should come as no surprise to Paul. It should come as no surprise to us if we remember how Paul got to Philippi, which we talked about a little last week as well. Do you remember how he got to Philippi? Paul had it in mind as he was going around on his missionary journey that he was going to go one place, and the Spirit said no. He said, okay, I'm going to go to this other place. And the Spirit said no. So I'm going to go to this other place. And he keeps being blocked at every turn. So what's going on? And then he has this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so he goes over, and that's where he ends up in Philippi, and that's where he meets some people, and that's where he gets thrown in jail, and that's where the church gets planted. So he's seen this before in his life, that just because I want to go there and that gets blocked does not mean that that's the end of the story. That means God is going to do something different than what I had in mind. Anybody ever experienced this in your own life, <laughs> of God having something different in mind than you had in mind for your life? Right? Now the question is, whose way do you believe is better? <laughs> Now, if we want to give the Sunday school answer, we say, oh, God's way is better. But if we want to give the answer of our heart, usually when we're in those situations, it is, no, I think my way is better. I don't think you know what you're doing here, right? You know that feeling. Paul is in prison, and he is actually able to have the Sunday school answer be the cry of his heart. How awesome is that? To be able to say, I know that God's way is better, and I'm able to see ways in which that's already working out. He says, I'm in prison now, but that means that people are hearing about Jesus who never would have otherwise. So I'm okay with being in prison if this means good things for them. Jesus wins, right? They throw me in prison, Jesus still wins. He says, here's another thing that happens because I'm in prison. Uh, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to preach Christ. So more people are hearing about Jesus because Paul is in prison than would have heard about him if he hadn't been in prison. And so he says, they threw me in prison. That's going to end it. No, Jesus still wins, right? The next thing he says is, okay, but there are some people who are preaching, not because they really believe the message, but they're trying to stir up trouble for Paul while he's in chains. Aha, he's there. I'm going to go preach about Jesus, and that will be, cause him more problem because then maybe the Romans will have him executed or whatever. And Paul says, you know what? They can preach Jesus all day long, to try to get me in trouble. I don't care. Like the important thing that matters to me is that people hear about Jesus. So if they want to do it 
for the wrong reasons, they're still doing it. <laughs> Have at it. Go, go stir up more trouble for me. <laughs> Preach Jesus. That's what's happening. And so he says, guess what? They're trying to stir up trouble for me, and Jesus still wins. Right? So I'm in prison. Jesus still wins. They're trying to stir up trouble for me. Jesus still wins. And then uh, we get to that, uh, the last part where he says, um, <laughs> ah, verse 19. I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You look at a footnote or vindication or salvation. In other words, Paul is going to be set free. That's his point. But he doesn't know yet how he's going to be set free. Are they going to open the doors and let him walk out? Or are they going to chop off his head? They don't know. And so he says, but either way, guess what? Jesus wins. He says, if, if I get executed, if that's the end result of this trial, don't worry about me. Don't be concerned. In fact, I'm kind of weighing these two out, and I, I think that might actually be better for me <laughs> to go be with Jesus. Not that Paul has a death wish. Not that he's going to take matters in his own hands and see that happen. But he's, what he's doing is saying, look, I'm looking at the options before me, and I don't see how Jesus loses. If I get executed, Jesus still wins. I get to go be with him because he is the one who has saved me from all my sin. He is the one who has uh, delivered me from all of that, and he will deliver me from death as well. That is, that is the good news of the gospel, that we get to go be with Jesus even after death. But, he says... We also get to be with Jesus here and now. And so he says, if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I will continue to tell people about Jesus. He says, you know what? Now that I think about it, that's probably what's going to happen. Because it's probably better for you that I stay here and keep on preaching. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but either way, what he's pointing out over and over is, Whatever the circumstances are, whatever he finds himself facing, whatever the difficulties are, there's no mistakes. Just happy accidents, right? Except they're not accidents. He says, whatever happens, these are things that God is using in my life for the advancement of the gospel, which is what I care about anyway. And so Jesus still wins through all of it. They put me in jail, in jail, Jesus wins. People preach about Jesus to get me in trouble, Jesus still wins. I get released from prison, Jesus still wins. I get executed, Jesus still wins. Isn't that a great perspective? <laughs> Do you see why his, the theme, or sort of uh, what's going on in his heart is not being all sad and moping about his situation, but instead it's rejoicing? It's like, I have seen now over and over, all these things that should make me uh, kind of despair, but, but I have a different vision. I see how Jesus still wins in all of it, and because of this, I rejoice. He still wins, and so I can keep on rejoicing, even in prison, even with a threat of execution looming, even though people are out there uh, trying to cause more problems for me, as though I don't have enough. But the theme is joy. And the theme is joy because he sees how Jesus 
still wins. His eyes, his focus is on Jesus, his focus is on other people. And because of this, he's able to have joy even in this kind of circumstance. So, for us, (laughs) do you see how this might help? To see, to learn from Paul and his situation here, for us to have Jesus as our focus, other people as our focus, to quit all of the uh, whining and complaining and grumbling about, well, I was going to do this, and now I can't do that. (laughs) Okay. What's Jesus doing? How might he use this in your life and in, um, in the lives of others around you? And here's the thing. For Christians, you ask, you know, can you see what, what God is doing in this situation? There are really only three answers we have. Yes, I see it, which is kind of where Paul is here. Maybe I see it. <laughs> As in, I think this might be what he's up to. I'm not really sure yet. So, yes, I see it, or maybe I see it. And the third answer is, not yet. But I will one day, right? I don't see it yet, but I'm going to continue knowing he is up to something. That I can still rejoice, knowing that he is still at work, whatever the situations are that we face. We're going to get more into that as we go through the rest of the letter as far as the uh, situations that we face and how we are to to deal with those. But for today, remember, Jesus wins. (laughs) Whatever we're going through, Jesus still can have the victory. And we can choose to look to him and to see that, to look to him and wait to see that, to look to him and trust that he is still at work or not. But if you want that same kind of joy that Paul is showing even when situations are terrible, might I recommend the former? (laughs) Looking to Jesus, having him in focus, and others in focus as well, that we would know this kind of joy in the Spirit? I hope so. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you For this day that you have made, and God, as we mentioned earlier, there there are a lot of situations going on in our lives and in the lives of those around us and in our world today um, that are hard and that are real and that are painful. God, we pray that you would help us to remember that in every situation there is nothing that is too big for you. There is nothing that is outside of your ultimate control. There is nothing that you can't bring about to serve your purposes for making making your world, making your people good and as they are meant to be. Lord, I pray that you would help us through all the distractions of our days to keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on what he's doing in us and especially what he's doing through us for the good of those around us. God, that others would know, um, would know your love, would know your mercy and your grace 
they would know the good news of Jesus as well. Uh, that they too would know the peace that passes all understanding. That they would know the joy in the midst of every situation. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.